Hey guys, it's Ade here. As you know, I'm the host of Stories That Stick, as well as the founder of Black Ticulate. Now, for regular listeners, I can't apologize enough for not having released a brand new podcast episode, but not informing you as to why there wouldn't be a brand new episode out. And the reason being is, well, it's really simple. Um, All the yet-to-be-released podcast episodes, unfortunately, got damaged and corrupted. Yeah, just basically from the bottom of my heart, can't apologize enough for not informing you guys, especially if you've been waiting. Now, that being said, whilst we are preparing for new interviews, especially for 2021, we thought it would be a great opportunity to revisit some of our favorite stories from our guest. So this episode, we'll be looking at the first three guests that we actually ever had, and then the subsequent episodes will also continue as suit. Now let's actually get into this episode and some of the best bits. Well, how I like to start off is with death. Yep, nice happy cherry topics. I'm not saying that this is going to happen in touch, but it doesn't happen anytime soon. But if he did die, oh. how would you feel? I'm trying to figure out how honest I should be. I need you to be. <laughs> how honest I should be. <laughs> <laughs> so I like, can always edit anything out you don't want. Nah, so. It doesn't matter. Um, so the voice you're hearing is from my dear favourite, and disclaimer, she is a good friend of mine, Joy Garavo Apotojo. And most people would actually know her from producing Blue Story. And she's also been awarded a BFI Vision Awards as well as been featured in multiple publications such as Screen Daily for One to Watch, Star of the Future, as well as Financial Times. Obviously, I'm just going to name those few because if I was to reveal everything, we'll be here forever. That being said, one of the stories that really stuck with me during our interview was why it is that she makes queer-led stories. So let's hear that. Now, what did you study in hope to become this scriptwriter, screenwriter, producer, film industry? Um, my first degree was film studies. I didn't really understand what film studies was. I mean, it, it's still helping me now, but it was more theoretical, Queen Mary University. There was a bit of practical in it. And then the teacher that I had there, Eugene Doyen, he was amazing. And I love that. There's always one teacher. There's always there? one teacher. And he, teacher. I remember like I wrote a script here gave it to him I was like yeah it's bangs in it oh, it's an amazing story he looked at me he, he read it and he goes to me love the title hate the script and I was like uh is this man okay but I remember like he said to me he's like Joy I'm only being honest with you now and doing it this way because I can see you really want to do this so I'm preparing you for the industry because this is how it is mm-hmm. people are just honest and blunt they don't have time to sugarcoat things I feel like he knew I was gay before, like, I told anyone. Mm. Because he gave me, like, he was, I'll go read this book. It was Sarah, it was Sarah Waters' um, Tipping the Velvet, which is just, like, a gay-ass book. And I was like, what the fuck am I reading this for? I went reading, I was like, oh, shit, they're lesbians. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, does he know <laughs> I was anything? Oh, <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> but, you know, and I remember, like, he used to read my scripts. And just give me advice. I think he was one of those people who kind of made me go, okay, cool, I can do this. And then when I applied for my MA, he read the script that I used to apply for that, um, which then got me into my MA for screenwriting, 
which is what I really wanted to do. Right. But, you know, after I finished university, I still kind of like, I try to do a bit of like um, directing, the, you know, my own stuff didn't go so well. And then somebody, said, a friend at the time said to me, oh, I've got a friend who wants to make a film. Do you mind producing it for him? He's got the money. I was like, yeah, cool, whatever. So I did it for him. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm actually good at this. So that's how I just started to produce off the back of that. Right. Um, Christine Vachon, which is like an amazing producer and somebody who I think inspired me to get into producing because she has this amazing book that I read called It's a Killer Life, which is basically a memoir of her producing as an independent producer. But, you know, she's independent, she's gay. And, and I remember reading it going, okay, that's what I want to do. Like, that's, that's the thing. That's, that's it right there. But for me as a producer now, having both screenwriting and producing skills, it's, it's, for me, it's so good because I can look at stories differently and I can talk to writers differently and directors in a way where structurally we're looking at what they're trying to do and what they're trying to say, you know? Mm, I hear that. Um, but also during, during that time, it was like, yeah, trying to find random, <laughs> random producing work. Also still working like a 6 a.m. to 2 p.m. job. So I could then go off and produce stuff afterwards. But I also need to have a life in it because I'm young and I'm just exploring the gay scene in my early 20s. And I was like, oh my God, it's so So I used to do that thing of like, you know, I'll be in GAY from like 5 to like 10 p.m., 11 p.m. Living my best life. And then I would get up at like 5 to go to work at 6. And then finish at 2.30 and sometimes go off and do some producing stuff and then later on just like go out and be gay again. This is a lovely way to tie this up. When it comes down to identity, especially your sexual identity, you were pretty much coming to terms with it. And mm -hmm. are there any books or was there any books that... Oh no, I couldn't find any books. Hence why like now the kind of films I want to make are like black queer and female focus because <clears throat> remember there was a time like this is probably when I was about 1920 let's talk about death okay are you scared of death no I wouldn't particularly say I'm scared of death I feel like if I was to be concerned about it at all it would be this was our first ever episode for Stories That Stick with Salman Ajani, who is an incredible, incredible storyteller. And he is best known for being an award-winning director for the web series Dreaming Whilst Black. But he's also an actor and he has had some appearances, most recently in BBC's free comedy series Enterprise. But what really sticks with me like with our conversation was his summary of whiteness. Just taking pictures of like the underbelly of so, America. Yeah, let's have a listen to that. And don't care. I remember when she passed, I was like, yo, brother, like, look how much she's done in the time and look how she aggressively just attacked it, not caring like of consequences. But do you think, I mean, without doing her a disservice mm. at all, is especially rest in peace, don't mm -hmm. speak ill of the dead, but her culture. But that, but that's what we need. Right. Let me tell you the difference between us. We feel, we've been taught, and you know, that whole twice as hard, half as much, all of them thing there. Mm -hmm. We've been taught to be qualified. Let's be clear. I wanted to be a filmmaker. 
I did at least four short courses on filmmaking while I was working in Jamaica. So I'd fly over here, do a short course, come back. Cool. Then I did a master's. Note, I already have a degree. I have a degree in architecture, but because I wanted to be a filmmaker, I did a master's in film. Ironically, when I applied for the master's, even though I'd been working in the industry for three years, they're like, oh, you know, we don't know because you don't have a background. I said, okay, cool. There's a two-month film course in New York. I'll go to that during the summer so that I can prep for your thing. They're like, all right, cool. We'll give you a conditional acceptance based on that. So note, I did four short courses. Then I did a two-month course. This is after working three years in the industry and then did a master's. You see, when I went to that master's program, I met someone who was a civil engineer up until June. Oh, okay. You see how I prepped yeah, no, course. to I mean, be a filmmaker because I, I need to be qualified. Yeah. And man who just did whatever came in. There were people in my course who didn't know how to use a camera. No. Cool. You can say that's admissions issues, right? But the audacity to think, me in my brain knowing I've only ever done architecture. I say, oh, I want to be a filmmaker. I'm going to just do a master's. It's wild to me. Mm. I'm not qualified enough. I don't want to get drawn out. You know, part of whiteness, brother, is freedom and audacity. That's it. Sometimes it manifests in racist ways and terrible, like, capitalistic ways. But just the audacity. No experience, no qualification, no expertise, nothing. But I can't do it, though. That's interesting, right? Like, is whiteness freedom and audacity? That being said, I can't help but think about freedom especially when I'm speaking about this next guest. Because he told a story specifically that really and truly resonates and I've kind of used it ever since. So our next guest is Marcus Bronzy, who's a presenter and he does have an amazing podcast himself where he interviews guests such as DJ Jazzy Jeff, Dame Baptiste, George the Poet, to name but a few amazing people. So yeah, let's listen to the story that I've used ever since. There's something that you wrote on the prompt questions was the story of the fisherman. Talk yeah. to me about that. So this is something that resonates really heavily with me. And I've read this in very many iterations and it's something that um it's actually something that has become more relevant to me now more than ever. So in this story there's a, a very successful businessman and a retired fisherman. He goes to the fisherman. Oh, I see you caught a good few fish today. Like, you know, you've done all right. Fisherman's like, yeah, yeah. He goes, how many fish do you catch every day? He goes, catch a couple for myself. Might sell one or give one away, you know. And the businessman goes, well, you could do so much more. And the fisherman goes, like what? He goes, you know, you could stay out fishing for twice as long. You've only been fishing for a few hours. You know, you double your catch. And fisherman says, and then what? He goes, once you double your catch, you can sell more, make more money. And the fisherman goes, well, then what? He goes, you know, buy another boat, employ somebody get twice the amount of fish again, get them to work all day for you. And the fisherman goes, and then what? He goes, then you have a fleet of boats. Fisherman then says, and then what? He goes, then your company's pulling in millions. You're doing so well. You can invest in property, take that money, move it all around the world. You can see everything you want to see. And the fisherman goes, and then what? He goes, then you can retire and enjoy that. And the fisherman says, and then what? And the rich man says, you can do whatever you want. And the fisherman says, like, go and catch some fish every day give a couple away and relax. So that story resonates with me. It's, it's, and it's kind of helped me to kind of start to think about the whole plan, you know? So, so that's why I'm very comfortable talking about death because I think 
it's unavoidable, man. It's happening. Like, we should be having conversations a lot. Yeah, it's a serious thing. You shouldn't trivialize it, but, you know, it helps you to kind of think about, you know, where are your priorities in life? Like, where do you want to be? What's the end goal? Marcus does leave with that question, like, what is the purpose? What is it? And I thought I'd just take a minute because I'm not sure I really have told you guys, listeners, about Blacticulate as a whole. Initially, it was really to try and, even if a little, dismantle or get rid of the stereotypes and negative stereotypes of minorities. But the truth of the matter is we all still need to sustain ourselves. So how do we sustain ourselves? Well, we do produce podcasts and we do that for higher education. Um, We do that for certain universities. And we do want to continue doing more of that. But I do need your help. I do. I need your help insofar as sharing what Black Ticulate does as not only a brand, but a service. And if there's anything you believe we can do to help you, don't hesitate to get in touch. But anyway, I've spoken enough. Once again, apologies for not getting in touch sooner. And hope you guys are all good. Do take care. Bye.